Wonderful. Goes perfectly with the message tonight. I think all music goes with the message. Amen. All right, take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter number 1. I told you this morning that this morning's message was introduction for the message tonight. I can tell you tonight I am excited. I am excited about the message tonight. And uh, this morning I talked about light and darkness. What are we focusing on? Are we focusing on the light? Are we focusing on the darkness? So I'm just going to warn you tonight, there's going to be a lot of light in the message tonight. Amen. Uh, this is going to be a floodlight, I, something that we can be encouraged in, something that we can put our foundation in. And Brother Cole, I was wondering if you could turn me down a hair. That would be great. Thank you. Okay, that's perfect right there. Uh, but we're in 2 Peter chapter number 1, and we're going to look at the power of the truth. We know the truth is powerful, but I want to talk about, many times we look at truth in relation to other people. Tonight, this message is about us personally, especially the power of the truth of who God is, the nature of God, and our, the God's nature as it relates to us personally. So tonight, if you're discouraged here tonight, this message is going to be an encouragement to you. If you are in the darkness, this is going to be an encouragement to you. If you're in the light, this is going to strengthen you tonight. So 2 Peter chapter 1, a passive scripture we know very well. But it's something that I think we look at and we don't pick up on an aspect of it, especially in verse number 3, which we're going to stop when we get there. But if we could stand together out of respect for the ring of the Word of God. Now, I will warn you as I start this message tonight, um, probably Brother Kilroy knows this, there are a lot of slides and a lot of verses. So I have it broken down a little bit more than I usually do on the PowerPoint. Uh, so just to let you know, you're not going to be able to keep up with all the verses I'm going to tonight. Write them down, though. They'll be on the screen. So, uh, and the way I do my points, I'll explain them here in a minute. Uh, but I have two points, or really two categories. Then there's subpoints tonight. So yes, I have broken out subpoints for you this evening. Uh, so there are going to be verses under those subpoints, but they'll be up on the screen. You'll understand as we go along in a minute. But we're in verse number two of Second Peter chapter one. And if we could read in unison together verses two and three, let's begin reading together. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Notice two phrases here that we see in verse number two and verse number three. We see at the end of verse number two, uh, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Then again, it's repeated in the end of verse number three, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So tonight, we're going to look at some knowledge of what the Bible says about who God is and how that applies to us and how that will carry us through the storms of life. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I pray that you bless our time together. Lord, give me clarity of thought. There's so much here tonight, and I pray that I'd be able to unpack it effectively by thy spirit. I pray tonight, Lord, that we're encouraged. I'm excited about this message, Lord. This is a message of so much hope and encouragement and a foundational truth, Lord. It's exciting to see. 
For Lord, if we focus on these, we have no need of being discouraged. We have no need of being downcast. We have no need of being in despair. For Lord, you are there for us. Praise you. Bless us tonight. And I pray that you give, touch my lips and give me the words I ought to say this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The power of the truth. This is one of those messages as you're preparing it, you get more and more encouraged. So I'm encouraged tonight by the word of God. And I pray that by the end of the message tonight, we are encouraged. But as we begin by way of introduction, number one, so the first slide, is a simple truth. Belief versus unbelief. What do we believe about God? And I hinted a little bit at this on Wednesday night. And belief is simply what we accept to be true. What we accept to be true is something that we believe in. Now, we can believe things that are simply not true. You know, if you grew up believing in Santa Claus, you know, you believed in him, you believed it to be true, then you got to an age and a time when you found out Santa Claus isn't real and the reindeer really don't come and land on your roof. Right? All right, hopefully, hopefully I didn't spoil it for anybody. But one time I did and someone got upset. But we can, we can believe things that are not true. We also can believe true things that are true. So we, know we can believe things as the word of God. We can look at God's word and believe that Jesus Christ died for our sin on the cross 2,000 years ago. We, that's the truth and we believe it to be true. And it is true because God said it's true. And unbelief is simply that which we do not accept to be true, either because it is not logical to us or it doesn't feel like it's true. Oh, that's a big problem today, feeling like it's true. It doesn't feel true to me. It doesn't seem like it is true. Things are not always as they seem. Isn't that right? The, the devil is a master of illusion. And the master, the things are never as they quite seem. The trouble is that we claim to have belief at times in the word of God and in the nature of God, but then act as if we do not believe. This is destabilizing, and our life will begin to fall apart if we don't have some foundational things about God and his relationship to us nailed down 100% unabashedly believe, and no one's going to talk us out of it. And that's what we see in the life of Job. Job believed some things about God, and no matter how bad things got and how hard the path went, and no matter how much the devil tried to get him to doubt, he would not relent and believed very fundamental things that stabilized him. That's the only way Job made it through is that there are some things about God he believed and knew to be true and he refused to stop believing them. All that we would get some of that tenacity about the things of God and that we would not back down when the trials come. And many of these thoughts tonight come from a book that I'm currently reading, so this is not original to me. However, God's word is original to him. Amen? So, uh, and I pray that the Lord, uh, the Lord led me to share some of these things with you tonight. So, this is the first category. So, number two, and this is just a very simple thought. So, this is the first part. Wait, hold on. Next slide. Something happened there. The slide after that. Hold on a second. I forgot something. Okay, go back to the one before. It's the correct sub-point, but I forgot to change the heading. So here it is. So God is always God. Ignore the PowerPoint here. I was doing it quickly. Man, I had it all planned and everything. All right. God is always God is the category. Amen? God is always God. It always will be God. And after all of these phrases, we're going to, the beginning of them is there's going to be an always. 
God is always God, and there's going to be a hyphen there, and there is going to be a phrase, always. God is always God. Always. Okay? So each time we get to these phrases is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say the sub-point. When I say, he will always meet my genuine needs, you're going to say, always. Okay, let's help reinforce that in our minds. All right, let's try it one more time. So, he will always meet my genuine needs. Amen. All right, so we're in Philippians chapter 4, verses 13 and 19. Uh, God is going to provide exactly what you need, when you need it, right on time. Now, it says here, my genuine needs. Oh, there's a lot of things we think we need. But the genuine needs, the needs of our heart, the needs of physical needs that we have, the spiritual needs that we have. Uh, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Amen. Do all things. And verse 19 says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's never going to leave you without something you need. He is always going to provide. He is always going to give you what you need. Matthew 6, 31 through 33, a known, well-known passage. Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or where the wall shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for a heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And we read these verses and we hear messages on them and we believe that, yes, God's going to provide my every need when everything is going well. But what happens? Unbelief creeps in when things aren't going as well as we think they should be. Let's just be honest. In America, we have much more than we need. And when those things, when we only have just what we need, we begin to doubt God. So what have I, have I done something wrong? And uh, is God really provide, does God really provide for the needs? Can I tell you something? You cannot believe something is true and untrue at the same time. We can herald to somebody else's trial in their life. Well, God is, oh, God will provide your need. But in our hearts, we don't believe it wholly. Maybe we have a doubt. Is God going to provide your need? Absolutely, yes, and that cannot be a negotiable item. Also, we could get into God always provides his needs within his will. Maybe there, maybe there is a time that we are not getting our needs met because we're not in the will of God. That's a whole different discussion. But tonight, we'll be just looking at he's always going to meet your needs. Don't doubt that. Don't doubt God. God is always... God, and God is always good. Always. He will always meet my genuine needs. So number two here, letter B. Let's go to the next one, Brother Co. Uh, he will always forgive my sin. Praise the Lord. First John 1, 9, we know this. But if we, can, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like, oh, God doesn't want to forgive me. He wants to. Psalm 51, read that. Have mercy upon me, O God. Purge me with his up. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And God answered his prayer. Isaiah 66, 2, for all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. He's always going to forgive you. Don't believe the lie of the devil that says, well, I've sinned too much, God won't forgive me. Oh, I've sinned this one too many times, he won't forgive me. He will, and he always will. 
No matter what happens, he will always forgive. Amen. Is that a blessed thought? Now, that is not a thought. Now, some people think, well, that thought right there, and that's, you know, that's exactly what's wrong with today. People just go and sin and don't care because they just know God will always forgive them. Can I tell you something? That knowing God always forgives us endears us to God. By the way, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Romans 6, absolutely. God forbid. No, that's not what's being talked about here. And that's not what's being promoted. But that when we mess up and we fall and we fail because we're human beings, we're flawed, God always forgives us. He doesn't say, well, I'm just done with you and pit punts you over here. He forgives and he lifts you up. Seven, mind, seven times the righteous man falls down. What happens? The Lord lifts him up and he gets up again. He will always forgive sin. Don't ever let that doubt creep in that God won't forgive me. That God won't take care of my sin. That God didn't, he cleansed my sin, but he can't take care of this one. Oh, he always will forgive sin. And here's one. So, okay, these have been pretty basic. We know these. But here's one, number one, the third one here, letter C. He is always up to something good in my life. Hold on, I'm not, always up to something good in my life. Always. I didn't put it on there because it's a little too long. But he's always up to something good, amen? But not, a, and we'll always like, yeah, he's up to something good in their life, and in their life, and in their life, but he's not up to something good in mine. He's up to something good in your life, always. Always is. Well, what does the Bible say about that? He has a lot to say about that. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of, here it is, peace, and not of evil to give you an expected end. What does it say here? I have thoughts of peace and not of evil. Remember, Jesus has made peace with God for us. We're at peace with God. We're part of his family. He has love towards us. He doesn't think evil towards, hey, how can I make their life miserable today? He's always up to something good. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 8 if we can. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 34. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8 for a few minutes. Oh, isn't it great? I don't know about you, but don't you feel that, that, that joy and that hope welling up in your heart? Amen? If not, well, hold on. It's coming. Romans chapter 8. How about you ask God and expect for it to come? Amen. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 34. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Talking about Jesus, the Jesus and the Spirit make intercession for us. Up to something good. Amen. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then them he also called, and whom he called, he, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not be with him also freely not with him, also freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? 
It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So is God going to withhold something from us? No, he gave us his son. Everything else is less than that. If he was willing to give us that, everything else he's wanting to give you. Who wants to give you the very, very best? He's up to something good in your life. Don't ever listen to the lie of the devil. Well, God doesn't care about you. God's not up to something good. God's forgotten about you. Oh, what a lie that is. He's up to something good. We do not always understand how it is good or why it is good. But it's good, even those things. And when we have that attitude, when something happens, you know, this morning we got on the bus and we start, and I go to start it. It started last night. I go to start it. And it doesn't start. I'm like, oh, man. And, you know, I'll be honest, in, in years past, I got irritated at that, and I get frustrated and say, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Why, we need to pick up kids for church. Come on. But, you know, this morning, you know, I, it was the Lord. I didn't have that response. I said, well, God has a plan in it. And uh, I said, we, we'll adjust, we'll pivot and adjust. God be flexible in the ministry. Got to pivot. And it's like, well, I thought, I said, well, we could just, no, we can't cancel. Just got to go get those bus keys. And guess what? We had just enough kids who had one over the legal limit. Don't tell anybody, but no. <laughs> on, on the shuttle bus, we had one over. We had to squeeze them on there, and, uh, but not on the way home. And uh, it, was, it was great, and God worked it all out. And, you know, God he said, I don't know what your purpose is, but it's a good purpose. Maybe there's going to be an accident. Maybe someone's going to run into the bus. I don't know. Maybe it was going to break down on the middle of the street, uh, in the middle of the bus route, and we're going to have to call the tow truck, and God said, nope, just let it stay right there. I don't know. But he's up to something good. All the time. Always. Here's another, letter D. He will always love me personally. I'll say it one more time. He will always love me personally. Let that sink in for a minute. You know, when we're afraid that someone maybe will stop loving us or will hurt us, God's never going to do that. God's always going to love you. God's always going to care for you. Even if no one in this life, if those that do love you in this life, turn away from you and turn against you, God will always love you. Too many times we we attach to God how people are. Aren't you glad God is not how people are? God is greater. God is holy. God is perfect. One day we will be perfect like he is. But we're not. And we have that fear lurking in the back of our mind. What if I get hurt? Well, God's never going to do that. He is going to love you personally always. Let's continue reading in Romans 8, beginning in verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Shall or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. There's a lot of things here. This are, and they're like, wow, these are bad things. As is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that what? Loved us. For I am persuaded, this is Paul speaking, he says, I'm persuaded, this is rock solid, bedrock, if you don't get this down, by the way, if Paul didn't have this settled and say, I'm persuaded, you wouldn't have heard of the Apostle Paul. Because guess what, all of these things that he's describing, he went through. 
perils and sword and beaten and stoned and shipwrecked. All of these things. Guess what? If he didn't believe that God loved him and Jesus loved him and all of this, he would have quit. He said, no, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principality. No, I said nor angels. Do you think there's going to be an angel in heaven that's going to separate him from God? What's he talking about? Satan, always talking about demons. He said, oh, the angels can't convince me, the fallen angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing right now in my life, nor anything that's going to come in the future. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Let that sink in for a minute. Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we look at our country like, oh, what's going on? No matter how bad it gets, God's going to love you. No matter if you're all alone and all your loved ones turn against you, that's what happens in Muslim countries with a lot of these people that turn to Christ. They don't have any family. They have no one that loves them in this life, but they know Christ loves them. They are convinced of that. He will always love me personally. Always. Oh, that's a comforting thought. Let that sink in. Okay, letter E. Last one in this particular category. He will always give me the grace I need. We'll try it. We're getting better. He will always give me the grace I need. There we go. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all, not some, all grace abound toward you. Towards you and 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 towards you. Everybody in here and everybody that's in Christ, let that grace abound toward them. You know what? He even lets the grace abound toward the lost as well and brings them to Christ. And by the grace of God, brings them under repentance and the love of God. He, but that grace that he loves you with, he loves you personally, always, then he's going to give his grace, the unmerited favor. It's always going to abound toward you. They always, well, here it is, the word always again, having all sufficiency in, well, here it is, all things. Notice these are all inclusive terms. These are not conditional. All and always and all again may abound to every good work. God wants to work in your life. He wants to give grace so that you can have victory, so that you can have joy, so you can have the fruits of the Spirit, so you can have everything you need. Don't feel like you're in a desert, barren land. God's given you so much. The problem is, is do we accept what we're given? Because what can happen is we want things to be a certain way and then they don't happen that way. Say, well, God isn't gracious towards me. Well, wait a minute. He's going to give you grace in the midst of any situation. Remember, it's God that dictates, dictates the situations, not we. Is he that dictates those situations? First Corinthians fifteen ten. But by the grace of God, this is what Paul said: I am what I am. It's not me. It's God. It's His grace. I am what I am today because of His grace. David would say the same thing. Elijah, Elisha, Moses, Noah. They'd all say, "I am what I am by the grace of God, not because of me." And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. And people look at, uh, you know, we look at people that they've grown in the Lord, and they're like, oh, and we look, what are the first thing we ask? You must have grown up in a Christian home. It's like it's in the genes or something. 
By the grace of God, I am what I am. I can show you a lot of people that were from lost homes that are loving the Lord and have a great testimony. And I also know a lot of church kids and church adults that have a horrible testimony of curse God. And they guess what? They have not accepted the grace of God. It's not in the genes. It's a personal decision everybody has to make. Now, that decision can be made easier depending on how you're trained. But it's not in the genes. It's not hereditary. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And, <laughs> and uh, I had someone ask me recently, it's like, oh, you know, you know, how did you get to be in this you know, place you are in, in, in your Christian walk and things? And they go, oh, you, you, you went to Christian school. I'm like, no, you know, do you, no, no, no. I just believe the Bible, what the Bible says. And you know what? This was what bothered me is they kind of took back and was like, Really? Like, that should be some kind of surprise. <laughs> oh, well, I thought, you, you know, you had the background in the pedestal. Nope, I don't. And you know what? That's the problem with a lot of young people. They, they have the pedigree, but they don't have the grace because they don't believe it. They think they do. They can spout it out. They can have, as I talked about this morning in Sunday school, they can know about, but they don't know. We have to be careful about that. He'll always give me the grace that we need. Always. He always will. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. He goes, I was given the grace. Everybody's given the grace, but they can squander it. You can squander the grace of God. You can say, I don't want that. Opportunities, we can say, no, I don't want that. The grace of God, which was with me. God is always God, and God is always good. Always. Very good. We're catching on. All right, second category. So number three. God is always great. Always. Amen. God is always great. I love singing songs that magnify the greatness of God. We are singing some wonderful songs tonight about the greatness of Him. So He is always in control of all things. Always is. Oh, He's in control. Oh, can ask my wife. I'm a bit of a control freak. A little bit. I like to be in control of things, but the older I get, the more I realize, the more I'm in control of things, the more I mess it up. Let God be in control of things. Some of you older is like, yep, I, you know, we've all been there. It's like, you know, we try and manage it and try and get it what we want, and it makes a bigger mess. Let God have his way. Save you a whole lot less stress that way. Psalm 103, 19 says, The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. You know, we talk a lot about China and Russia and the United States and Ukraine and all these things and what's going on in South America and what's going on in Africa and all these things. Can I tell you something? God's kingdom ruleth over all of those. Amen. Let's not worry about the geopolitical state of things. God's kingdom ruleth over all, and he is going to bring to pass his purposes. The hand of the king is in, the heart of the king is in the hand of God. It's all part of the plan of God. What is the plan of God? Well, he tells us how it ends, but I don't think we would understand it if we, even if he told us. You know, what the problem is, we have to understand everything. You ha Can I just be very honest with you here tonight? Don't base your belief on what you understand. 
Do not base your belief. If you said, well, I only believe it if I understand it, then you are going in for a very, very hard road because there is many things in here that we do not understand and there's many things in the plans and purposes of God that we will not understand. Why? Because we are not eternal. We do not, as Brother Moore said last week, he sees the end from the beginning. We don't. We just know here and now and say, okay, God, I'm only going to accept this if I understand it. And that's our temptation. That's our nature. We want to understand things. Can I tell you something? That's not faith then. Faith is believing in something we don't fully understand, but we know is true because God told us. Salvation's a mystery. I, don't, I can tell you, you know, I don't fully understand it all, but I believe it because God said it. You know, we have the Word of God here in our hands. I don't understand all of it, and there's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than I am say it's true, but at the end of the day, what do they know? They're just human beings like I am, but God said it's true. If we take the divine out of things and we'll boil it down to, well, I just want to understand, you're going to be disappointed because there's things that we don't understand, and now we know why people say, well, I just don't understand, and God must not be good because I don't get it. God has a plan, and we don't always understand his plans. Now, I've said this many times. I don't understand why my baby girl's buried out back. But I know God's good. I don't understand why. But he had a plan in it. That's all I know. And maybe in heaven, you know, people say, well, we'll understand when we get to heaven. I don't know if we will or not. I don't, I don't, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. <laughs> I would just say we will be known as we are known. He will, we will understand more, but I don't know if we'll ever fully understand. And that's okay. But the problem is, are we okay with that? Even in never knowing, even in eternity, why he did something. It really doesn't matter why. It was for a good reason. It was for a good purpose. It's because in the midst of all that, he loved me. Remember the Hesiel, those choosers ground you? We ask the question, why? It doesn't matter why. We got to come back to these things. Guess what? Job said some, had some questions. Why this happening? But then he would come back to what? Basic bedrock truth. Isaiah 14, 27, For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Powerful statement. God is God, and he ordains all things. Letter B. Next slide. He is always present with me. Always. Oh, he's here with us tonight. Even in the midst of the darkest night, when we are all alone physically, he is ever present with us. Jeremiah 23, 24, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Saith the Lord, do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. There's no place where you can be that God is not. David expresses as well in the Psalms. So if I make my bed in heaven, behold, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Isaiah 41.10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with my right hand of my righteousness. He's there. He's always present, even when the devil tries to tell you he's not. But here's the problem. Well, I don't feel like he's here. I don't feel, I don't, I said a lot of phrase, I don't feel, guess, we can't live by how we feel. We know. 
You know why? And not because, well, I have this experience. No, because God said it. Yes, you'll have the experience as you know he is present in those situations. Because when it's interesting with God is that when we trust him, then he makes his presence known. Isn't that interesting how God does that? There are times that he has his presence known and we have not fully trusted yet. But when we go to his word and say, God, I believe this, I trust you, then he makes his presence known to test our faith, whether or not we're going to turn him. Because at the end of the day, we every single situation we face, talked about this morning, you got two choices. Are you going to trust him or are you not? Because trusting anything else is not trusting God. It is unbelief. Remember, you cannot believe something is true and yet untrue at the same time. He's always present with me. In the midst of trial, in the midst of everything, and we look at God at times, and God, do you see what's going on? He's already there. He knows and sees. He knows. Jesus is touched with our infirmities, with our struggles. He faced those as well. Yet the Bible says, yet without sin. So he knows how to win the victory, and he wants to enable you to win that victory in the midst of that situation. Oh, God is always great. There we go. God is always great. Stay engaged here. Only got three to go when we're done. I don't know. Aren't we getting more encouraged? I hope we get more encouraged here. Amen. At least I am. No, good. I think we are. Amen. These are important things. Reminders for a lot of us. But you know what? Those things can become dim and can become shaky. Get them bedrock tonight. Let her see. He is always the same. Oh, aren't you glad that the same God that you prayed to yesterday and he led you, he didn't change his mind today or tomorrow. You know, we can change our mind sometimes on a daily basis, on an hourly, some people on a minute by minute, even by the second. You know, have you met people like that? They change their mind every five minutes or two minutes or every 30 seconds. And especially when they're your boss, it's really frustrating. Um, he's always the same. He's never going to change. Malachi, well, how do we know that? Malachi 3.6, he says this, very simply, for I am the Lord. I change not. Very simple, very matter-of-fact statement. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. As I am the Lord, I change not. What is he talking about? He's talking about the promises he'd made to Israel. Even though you have changed and you have turned against me, I have not changed. My promises are still holding. I said, my covenant I made with you is still in play, and it is still in play today. And that's my podcast for tomorrow. Tune into the Christian Soldier podcast tomorrow morning. That is what the podcast is about, about is God done with Israel? No, very clearly the Bible says, no, he is not. And we're going to look at some of those passages. Uh, Stephen Anderson, regardless, he's wrong. Okay. Uh, Hebrews 1, verses 10 through 12. If you don't know who he is, don't waste your, waste your time finding out who he is. Anyway, uh, Hebrews 1, verses 10 through 12. Let's turn over there. He's always the same. His desire for us doesn't change. His word doesn't change. Also, his will for us and his direction for us doesn't change. Now, it can change based on our decisions, whether we disqualify ourselves from being in a particular place or we go down a path he didn't intend for us to be on and we lose the opportunity to go down that path. That's not God's fault. That's ours. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10 and 12, it says this, 
And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. What is it talking about here? God doesn't change. God created the earth. God created us. And in the end, he's going to fold it up. He's going to this, the elements are going to burn with a fervent heat. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to be changed. But that we change states. We age. We change. The world changes around us. But in all of that, all, we are, all we're used to is change. But God doesn't change. God doesn't change. He's always the same. Always. Trust that. The same, and we put that, well, how do we apply that? The same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of Adam and Eve, of Enoch, and of Noah, and of Elijah, and Elisha, and David, and Solomon, Paul, Peter, John, Thaddeus, all of those through, the, uh, all the way through Luke, is the same God. He hasn't changed one bit. He's the same God. Then why do we say, well, those things don't happen anymore? Why? Because we don't believe. That's why. Pure and simple. Now, I understand there are things that were for that period of time, like the sign gifts in the New Testament, but people can still get saved the same way. Why do people not get saved today? Because we don't believe it can happen. Why does revival not take place in America? Because we don't believe it will happen. There's very few people believe that, well, see, the judgment that's going on right now, that can never change. It's just we're going down. Just pull your ears in. It's going to happen. There's nothing you can do to change it. You don't believe revival can happen in America? If God wills it, it'll happen. But we must believe that. Do we believe that? Many people do not anymore. In the last 15 years, I have seen the number of people that say revival can happen in America. It used to be a good number. The number has grown very small. People say, well, Israel will never come back to God. Well, the Bible says they do. <laughs> revival takes place. They come back. And they accept Jesus as their Messiah. It happens. Read the end of the book. He didn't, aren't, you glad, aren't you glad God tells us the ending? He tells us how it's not, it's a hard read because it's a bad, bad deal for those that don't have Christ. But in the end, God is glorified. Here's something that I think we need to take close to heart tonight. So the next slide, letter D. He is always trustworthy. Always. He is always trustworthy. Always, always. We can trust him. He's not going to cast us away, 2 Timothy 2.13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. What is it saying? Even in the midst of our doubt, in the midst of our unbelief, in the midst of our God, I can't see it. I don't know if you're really being good to me or not. He's still there. 
He's still loyal to us. He said he cannot deny himself because we are part of the body of Christ. We are part of the family of God. He will not deny us just because we have a moment of a lapse of faith doesn't mean we're kicked out of the family of God. Yeah, try and, and I, I'd like to see the Armenian crowd that believes you can lose your salvation explain that one. That verse is a very powerful verse. So we say, well, yeah, God's always with us and for us as long as we believe, but as soon as we doubt, bam, he's there to take us when we're down. No, he doesn't. He's trustworthy. We can trust him. He's not going to injure us. He's not going to hurt us. The world's going to try and the world will, but he never will. Do we believe that? Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man. Oh, aren't you glad of that? I love this verse. He is not a man. Praise God for that. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Why? Because he's God. He's not going to make a mistake. He's not going to lie. He's not going to deceive you. But isn't that what the devil said? God's lying to you. He's not trustworthy. That's the first lie about God. You can't trust him because he's not trustworthy. He's holding out on you. And that's the big lie that people believe today. God's not trustworthy. He is. He is eternal. He doesn't change. Of anybody that I'd want to be trustworthy is someone that doesn't change, and God doesn't, so that makes him trustworthy. By his nature, he is. He says he cannot lie. We call it the immutability of God. It is impossible for God to lie. There's another passage. And it's impossible for Jesus to sin. He is always trustworthy. Always. Always. Last one. Last one, and we're done. Letter E. Here's another one, tough one for us to smile. I misspelled. Yep, okay, didn't misspell that. This is another tough one for us. He is always wise in what he does. He's always wise. God, um, don't you think this would have worked better if you did it this way? You know, just saying, I understand you're God, but I just thought, no, time out. We don't need to think about it. He's wiser than we are. He's smarter than we are. He knows the end from the beginning. And we just need to accept God. You did it this way. I'll accept that. Instead of debating with God, well, I really think it would be better done this way. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments in his ways. Here it is. Past finding out. You're not going to understand. Why he wants it done that way. We will look at things by in a very pragmatic fashion. What's easiest for me? What's easiest and best for what I see? Something we have to understand. God sees beyond our existence and sees beyond ourselves and sees generations in the future. He also sees the effect that your life has on other people and we're not going to see that because we don't think that way. We can't because we're finite. We have a limit of how much we can process at one time. You know, trust me. Some of you are like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know, we each have limited amount of memory space. My wife tells me that all the time. Okay, so I have to, I've gotten to the age, I have to write things down. And I used to be able to just, but you know, when you got more, more responsibilities you get, you start, you know, when you're juggling balls, we can only juggle so many balls until we start what? When you get too many, what does the juggler do? They start dropping them. 
to try and keep up. When they keep adding one, they keep, they'll drop one, and they'll try and keep the ones and try and juggle and juggle. Guess what? God doesn't have that problem. But we do. So that's why his ways are past finding out, because we'll never know what it is to be omnipotent. We'll never know what it is to be omnipresent. We'll never know what it is to be all the things that God is. That makes him wiser than we are. Just trust him and believe what he has in store. Colossians 2.3, In whom are hid all the treasures, not just some, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, something I thought of that they're looking uh, at in the big particle accelerator in Zurn, Switzerland. The biggest particle accelerator in the world that's ever been built. And looking to unlock the secrets of the universe. You know, looking for what they call the God particle. The first particle of matter that appeared after the Big Bang. Isn't that sad? They're looking for something that doesn't even exist. Well, it does exist, but not in the sense they think it does. Well, this is what we believe. You know, they're looking after that. And they said, if we find out what this is, then we will understand. It says the key to all wisdom and knowledge. We'll understand so much more. And it will revolutionize science if we can just get to this thing. I just tell you, it's the pot of the gold at the end of the rainbow. Oh, we'll be able to understand and we'll be able to explain our existence without God. They'll never be able to. You know why? Because they're missing out on the one who has all wisdom and all knowledge. They're missing the one trying to, trying to explain man's wisdom and knowledge. Can I tell you this? Is that all of man's knowledge, all that man can do, all the wonders that man can do, are not, don't even make and no difference at all compared to the knowledge and wisdom of God. Aren't you glad you have a God that is like this? Aren't you, God, don't you, have, aren't you glad you have a God that's always good? A God that's always great? A God that is always there, a God that will never leave you or forsake you, a God that is trustworthy, a God that doesn't change, a God that is always present, a God that is always meeting our needs, that is always, will always forgive us, that will always be doing something good in our life, that will always love you, that will always give you the grace you need. Wow, what a great God we have. You know what, when we begin to look at all this, man, our complaints seem pretty small. Our problems seem non-existent. Just trust him. You'll be a lot better for it. Because unbelief will rob God of his glory. And really, we must understand something, that unbelief is a very high-handed insult to God. Well, I don't believe what you're saying, God. He Remember who he is. He is God, he is omnipotent, and just saying, well, I don't believe, even if it's in the smallest sense of any of these things we looked at tonight, we're saying it's a very high-handed insult. Well, I don't believe you are who you say you are. And you know what will happen? We'll begin our own process of disintegration. Our life will begin to fall apart spiritually and every other way. Unbelief is saying God is not more than enough for my soul. I need something more than what God can offer. If you believe that, you are deceived. God is all that you need, and he is more. He doesn't just barely satisfy your need. He's more than enough. He's more, infinite.
infinitely more than we could ever want or need. Let's get grounded again tonight. If maybe some of those unbeliefs and those doubts have crept in, let's get grounded tonight. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless our invitation time this evening. Lord, you're more than enough. You're more than enough. You're more than enough. Not barely more than. Thank you, Lord, for your word, how powerful your word is. Tonight, if we've doubted, I pray that we just confess it before you tonight and ask forgiveness for not believing from belief is sin. But Lord, we know you'll forgive it. And Lord, so many times we worry about the sin of unbelief. We know you'll forgive it. But Lord, I pray that we get those areas of where we doubt shored up tonight and make some decisions about what we're going to believe. I pray that you bless our time of invitation tonight. Touch hearts, Lord. Touch hearts as we come to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.